for live music presents Inside Out with Turner and... And Seth. And? Turner. Where are you, Seth? Uh, I'm in Mexico again, Rob, but this is the last time I'll be here in this season. We're closing out the season with Panic in La Playa. Always good to see widespread, isn't it? Georgia boys. Yeah, and you know, interesting about the widespread fan base, they give away a lot of stickers. And I got one for you, Rob. I'm no. bringing one back for you. Well, listen, we don't want to take up too much time because this is just a tweener episode. And we have a special guest waiting in the wings. But I will say later in this episode, we're going to talk about our experience with Big Gigantic and the godfather of our show, Seth. Colonel Bruce has begun another residency. I caught one of the shows and I will be going back and I will have a little review of that show later on in our show. Outstanding. Had lunch with Colonel today. Oh, yeah? How is he? He's great. He's here uh, with the White, uh, the Panic and La Playa All-Stars, or the Playa All-Stars, if you will. Uh, Eric Krasno on guitar, Jennifer Hartswick, Ivan Neville. Um, oh, smoking band. So good. Oh, my God. It's like, I don't get it. Like, these guys, they, they're, they don't play together all the time. Matter of fact, this ensemble is the first time all these cats played together, and they crushed it. And they went, and their music was all over the place, uh, every style. But so good. Oh, and Carl Denton and Jennifer and Carl together, even when they're not playing music and they're just standing next to each other, you feel the horn section. It's amazing. And Panic's great, too, by the way. Well, I'm in Alpharetta, Georgia, watching a severe thunderstorm roll in, and I'm thinking, wow, Colonel Bruce, we're about to have a big announcement in the Colonel Bruce world, aren't we, Seth? We are, but we'll save that for an episode coming up. <laughs> I can't wait. We got a special guest, Seth. We do have a very special guest, ladies and gentlemen, the promoter of Fool's Paradise, one of the promoters, I should say, uh, as well as pro- uh, a veteran promoter in the music festival world, ladies and gentlemen, Paul Levine. Hey, Hello, guys. Paul. Hey, how you doing? Also, speaking about your panic, big spreadhead. I mean, I remember uh, booking with you at Birmingham, Alabama, two shows that I loved when they co-billed with Allman Brothers. <laughs> um, I think we've we've probably uh, boogied at the same panic shows uh, in many in many different places. Uh, those were certainly memorable. Those are crazy. Yeah, Paul, why aren't you here this year? You're too, I know, never mind. You're too busy working on the plans <laughs> for Fool's Paradise. Is that what's going on? Um, well, I've been working on a, on a bunch of things up here at Spirit of the Swarming, and um, yeah, the timing just didn't make sense uh, for this year. Um, but as, uh, as the week was approaching and um, people were starting to make their plans, I, um, I was awfully tempted to... Uh, to send an email to to you or Annabelle or Mark Brown and see if they could squeeze me in somewhere. <laughs> yeah, well, well you this know, year will be the, go ahead, Ralph. This year will be the second Fool's Paradise, and it's held in St. Augustine, which I'm told is the golfing capital of the country, maybe the world, as far as per capita golf courses. Um, St. Augustine? Yeah, that's what I've been told. I don't know. Um, St. Augustine is the oldest city in the United States, and of course, it's um, it's where the fountain of youth resides. And that's why um, uh, that's why you guys chose that area because you just gotta want to stay young, right? Well, I mean, yeah, it, um, you know, Ponce de Leon it was not wrong. 
it's uh, it's clearly there. Um, there's rejuvenating um, qualities to to being in St. Augustine, um, and, uh, and that plays into it. Let me uh, <laughs> well, let, let me, me uh, help paint the picture here real quick. Uh, Fool's Paradise yeah, is let, taking let, place. Hang on, Seth. Two two years ago, you did the Humphreys McGee thing, right? And That's that true. Yeah, it was called Making Lemonade, and it, it was um, it was actually supposed to be a, a show in an old Civil War fort in Fernandina Beach, but the um, friends of the fort and some of the kind of old-timers t- objected to there being rock and roll music inside a kind of a hallowed Civil War-era um, fort, actually, the one that was actually used at that time period um and so at the last minute we had to move it to saint augustine um and we renamed the event making lemonade appropriately Um, exactly um and that sort of started our relationship with with saint augustine uh you know lettuce was there and um we all loved the experience and realized that you know the venue it's a wonderful intimate amphitheater about 4,000 people, you know, but even though it's an amphitheater, it's kind of buried in the woods and it feels very much like you're in, you're outside in, the, in nature as opposed to it at an amphitheater. And, you know, and St. Augustine is incredibly hospitable. It's a great town. It's a wonderful venue. Do you, do, is, is it really a lettuce festival? Are they part of the curating of the festival? Oh, absolutely. Um, it, it, you know, we, we, started working together a long time ago of course at bear creek and um we did uh the royal family affair up at stratton mountain with those guys and soul live years ago and um you know we've always enjoyed working together and uh um and always spoke about um you know funk music and you know doing things to to promote and advance funk music and um you know so we're kind of um We've always been co-collaborators and conspirators, in, in that regard, um, same with same with uh, Seth and the Cloud Nine people, and uh, you know a few a few other friends of ours in the industry who really, um, you know, live that music and take a lot of pride in in uh, in, in producing it and furthering the the genre. And this uh, this production mentioned- is being put on by. Uh- uh, the Purple Hat Productions, as well as Silver Rapper and Live for Live Music. Yeah, um, Purple Hat Productions, which is which is my company, and um, Live for Live Music um, started Fool's Paradise last year. Um, uh, the Silver Rapper uh, folks, you know, are my partners um, at Sewanee Halloween. Um, you know, and um, we all work together quite a bit, and so it um, it. We we were thrilled to um, invite those guys to participate in Fool's Paradise and kind of just bring everybody a little bit closer together, um, uh, you know, and and uh, to to further those relationships and friendships. Seth, can you can you read us some of the lineup beyond Lettuce? I know we have Joe Russo's yeah. Almost Dead, correct? Yeah, you got Lettuce that's doing two sets. Uh, Joe Russo's Almost Dead, the Floozies. Uh, who are phenomenal? Um, actually, all the bands on this bill are phenomenal. For, I should I say. I'm for Sector Nine. They're and they're funny dudes too. Uh, they'll they'll mix well with. Uh, well, I can see them mixing well with Jesus for sure. <laughs> uh, continuing on, uh, the Motet. 
Manic Science. Uh, this is Manic Focus with Break Science. The main squeeze. Go ahead. Hold on. <laughs> I was just listening to Manic Focus. They just released a track with Jennifer Hartswick. They have a track with Grizz that's fantastic. I would love to check out Manic Focus. Yeah. Go on. Uh, the main squeeze, uh, who you're a big fan of, Rob. I love the main squeeze. That singer melts me. The whole band's fantastic. Absolutely. Now, this band, the next one, Organ Freeman, it sounds like a bar mitzvah band at a baseball stadium. I've seen that name thrown around lately, though. Who are they, Paul? Do not know about them. We actually um, we found them at City Field, uh, you know, during the seventh inning stretch at a, at a kind of a bar mitzvah party. No um, way! You gotta be kidding me. <laughs> you talking about the Mets? No, the uh, um, <laughs> they're they're an or, they're an organ trio out of uh, Los Angeles. And, um, oh, you bastard! <laughs> <laughs> uh, they play Bogo Jew. Um, jazz trio? What's that? Jazz trio? Yeah, it's a it's a funk jazz trio. You know, and, uh, you know, in, in the tradition that we love. You know, like Jimmy uh, McGriff, Jimmy mm. McGriff kind of thing. Yeah, a little of that, you know, um, so some Robert Walter influences in there. I imagine like, a little Jimmy Dr. Smith. Lonnie Smith in there. Uh, well, uh, yeah, uh, I, you know, I hope so. We're all hoping for it. And then, of course, the artist at large, O'Teal, O'Teal Burbridge. That's, uh, that's, oh, yeah. And he's living down South Florida now, too. So I think South Florida, or maybe even around there, but that's. And that, uh, and then the next one, Antoine Stanley. Antoine, he uh, he used to play with, or he still plays with. What's uh, his main main big? He's um he's the vocalist with Snarky, um, rather with Wolfe. All right, uh, and then there's yeah. the you also have the so you have these are all taking place in the amphitheater, and then at night you have late night after parties in the Elks Lodge, um, which uh, why don't you describe first describe the Elks Lodge to folks. Well, I mean, it, it, it's uh, it, it, you know, it, it often serves as a bingo hall. Um, it uh, it looks like a like, um, like a charming old cafeteria. <laughs> uh, you know, the Elks are some wonderful people, um, and uh, you know they do a lot of charity work. And um, but the great thing about the Elks Lodge is it's literally across the parking lot from the amphitheater. Um, like 250 yards from the, from the from the place, and um, so people don't don't have to drive anywhere. They can just leave the leave the festival and walk to the Elks Lodge. And if people don't go to the Elks Lodge at night, and uh, it, uh, is the uh, is the parking just day parking, or people camping out, or what's the scene like for that? Well, next door to the to the venue is the Anastasia Estate. Um, campground it's a you know beautiful campground so some people will be staying there um some there is day parking out there um you know so people will go back into into st augustine there'll be more music and all sorts of stuff around town besides the the late night stuff that we're doing Mm -hmm. Um, i gotta say another thing about st augustine that the taxi drivers can will sometimes play games with you and stuff and they can be a real trip um, but another thing specific to your festival is not just the music and all that. Can you talk a bit about the excursions that you offer? Well, um, yeah, we haven't even, uh, you know, as of this, um, time, we're just a bit, uh, announcing them. Um, we're going to, um, 
we're going to go have a sailing party where you can uh, go on a boat for a couple hours and have wine and beer with uh, some of the guys from Lettuce. Um, wait, wait, wait. You're saying wine and beer. Really, what you should be doing is have a salad with lettuce. Well, I play Jamboree Feud. Hey, Rob. <laughs> well, maybe, you know, see, we need, uh, maybe we need you guys to come down and to um, lend, lend some of that creativeness uh, that you're, you're well known for. Well, Paul. Can I be on the, go ahead, Rob. Can I be on the Tom Hamilton boat? <laughs> it uh it'll be it'll be the shady horns on that boat you know hopefully tommy will come on tom's a trip i want to hang with him he's, yeah, he's, he's on friday he, he actually is on friday night though so i'm not sure he'll be on the boat on saturday um we're also um going to be doing um miniature golf um this year again it was a big hit last year of course with uh um, I know Jesus is going to be doing mini, mini golf. Um, Antoine Stanley's going to do it. Krasno did it last year. I'm not sure he's going to be do it again this year, but he may. Oh, I'll ask him um, tomorrow. He's uh, he will be doing bingo with Krasno tomorrow at the pool here at Panic and La Playa. So I'll be sure to sure to throw that one at him. Um, oh, I also wanted to say about the band that you were describing earlier that's playing down there at Panic in the Playa. I think, you know, when you were saying that they haven't played together, they really have played together, though, haven't they? I guess as they've all sat in <laughs> together, but have they all as a band doing full set? I don't think maybe maybe not completely. Although has no. has, has uh, George Porter Jr. and Colonel Bruce Hampton and Jennifer Hartswick been in a band together? Yes. Yeah, and these, and we're talking about what I'm sure we all agree are some of the greatest musicians on the planet, um, and uh, you know that familiarity with each other, I think, you know, almost off always leads to just you know beautiful magical experiences mm -hmm. that you know that, and that's why we all go back every time. Yeah, well, on that um, note, I want to bring something up, Paul. Some of the guests we've had on, uh, and one in particular to the new Master Sounds when we talked to Simon Allen, uh, but a lot there's a reoccurring theme that comes comes through with these musicians, uh, and that's the fan experience and the artist experience. And a lot of times festivals are just on the fan experience, but something that you provided, uh, it, and it's noticed, uh, is that artist experience. And I say that because there's the... There's the circle we, that we've discovered of Jazz Fest, Jam Cruise, and Bear Creek. Now, I know there's no Bear Creek anymore, but let's, uh, let's be real here. Bear Creek was huge for all these musicians you were talking about here in this style of music. Um, because it really gave people Seth? a place to get together and, and perform. Yeah, man. Are you talking about the Triangle of Love? I am talking about that Triangle of Love, Rob. <laughs> it was uh it was pretty noticeable too i mean it, it was uh it, it was it was a real thing i mean um uh there was there was so much love um in in the amongst the fans of of funk music and of jam music and uh you know of the jazz fest you know i think i think we'd all agree that that all of that you know sprouted out of out of new orleans J jazz and heritage festival and and the culture surrounding that, you know, um, it, you know, if, uh, affected, you know, jam crews and, 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 uh, you know, but there, I don't think there would have, I, I don't think jam crews would be jam crews without jazz fest. Same thing with Bear Creek. It just, it never would have happened. And, um, and these musicians though, they're always able to, and, um, and I was talking to Colonel Bruce about this today is that with those, with those, uh, those particular festivals, 
they pick up right where they left off. Uh, it's one of those things where it's like the, the music never stopped. They just come back together. And for the musicians, uh, you know, my, it could be as simple as Joe Russo being able to play with the floozies, and then all of a sudden that spawns into something new. Well, and, you know, that speaks to what we, you were saying about the band down there you know, the, uh, and all that that energy. It's actually uh, um, strikingly, um, and I think you know this because of the things that you work on with cloud nine that uh um it's like that in the bluegrass scene too mm-hmm. yeah yeah um, there's some there's great similarities uh you know and not necessarily in who's going to to, to the shows just just in how they you know how the, the interaction with the artists and the res- mutual respect and, and uh, um how 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 each successive festival feels like you know you know just picking picks up where it left off it picks up i like that the bluegrass festival picks up right where it left off (laughs) yeah Yeah. there's mosquitoes on the swanee river hey paul can i ask you a couple things sure i believe when i first met you was on a mutual friend of ours rv at down on the farm a festival that was Right on the Georgia Florida border. It was like Tallahassee. North, it was right outside of Tallahassee, Rob. My old stomping Quincy. Grounds. Is that Quincy? Can you talk about the early days, how you put together uh, Down on the Farm and uh, and how that evolved into Bear Creek? Um, yeah, sure. Um, down on the Farm was, was an incredible experience. Um, you know, I was sort of, uh, I was in, had been in D.C. for a couple of years. Um, and was looking for something new at that point. Um, and, uh, remarkably, I, uh, my friend Cameron Williams, who you all know from, uh, Tishomingo, um, reached out to me and said he had a friend who was, uh, start, wanted to start a music, um, company or a fe- music festival business, um, and a nonprofit you know, and use her family's farm um, to produce these events. And, uh, you know, it, it sounded really interesting. I mean, you know, but insane, but she was really serious. And, and uh, um, so I went down there and, and, and saw um, this farm in Quincy, Florida, and it was just a magnificent, you know, old southern, you know, plantation, really. Uh, majestic and had been turned into a, a sod farm and uh, and then you know so there's big fields of sod and then beautifully planted pine forests and an old tobacco barn and a old house with beautiful uh spanish oaks and a, and a beautiful canopy and, spanish, and uh um rather live oaks with uh spanish moss and it was just beautiful um and we got this business going and we started the festival down the farm. We did it three years on, on the property. And, um, uh, you know, she'd invited me to come down there because I would have been doing music in Colorado and around the country for some time. And, uh, um, and I was able to use the connections that I developed, uh, to get down on the farm up and running. And, um, it was a pretty eclectic lineup, but it focused a lot on funk and Southern rock and bluegrass and, you know, Americana, uh, um, oh, hold on one minute, Paul. Yeah. For younger folks listening, can you expound more on using the connections? You're talking about booking. You're talking about finding the site. How? How? What connections? And and in what way did you use them? 
Well, um, you know, it, it, it was the booking that, um, you know, certainly I had experience in, in organizing shows and, um, you know, and, uh, and putting that together, but it wouldn't have been able, wouldn't have been possible if, if my experience, um, you know, history and booking hadn't, um, hadn't been strong, um, you know, and, I, and some of the relationships that I previously had and developed, um, you know, uh, helped us to put out some really nice lineups early on in the game. Um, and, uh, um, you know, that's how that, how that got off the ground. And also that, that not only got the artists, uh, a lot of artists off the ground, but also a lot of festival staff. There's a lot of staff that worked that event that um, years later, we all still tend to work together on different events. And it, and it, it definitely created a, a strong, strong uh, festival community down there. Well, it, it did, but um, it, we also, I, I need to um, give props to, to Smile Fest, um, which was a festival up in North Carolina. Uh, yeah, I went to it many times, right near 77 and 40 there. Yeah, and I, um, you know, when I came to Florida, you know, I think before I, we even did one of the first festivals, or at some point I came, went and worked at Smile Fest and got to meet a lot of the people that ended up working down on the farm. And some of the, you know, some of the Smile Fest people came down here and helped us manage it and to get it off the ground. And, um, Right on. There was there was those those roots were really deep mm-hmm. from up there. So you know people like Sonny Perez, you know were smile you know I met through Smile Fest and you know and, and Becky Clark, you know and uh, the Clean Vibes people and um, you know and uh, and other people that you know we still work with Jamin and you know and uh, just really you know a lot of the family people that um, are part of a lot of our shows. Uh, you know, it's, it's very cool. And then why did Down on the Farm end? And um, how did things change moving into Bear Creek other than, of course, the name and the venue? Well, talk about that transition. Yeah. Um, I, I think it, it came down to Down on the Farm was growing. Um, you know, and any growing small grassroots festival has growing pains. Um, and what I think started out as um, my partner's family, you know, supporting their daughter in in something that she wanted to do. Well, eventually, I think it became a greater reality and burden, you know, liability-wise. And the family really needed to put on themselves. You know, they didn't have anything invested in it. And it was, you know, having, you know, having big events on their family farm. Um, wasn't I don't, I don't think was part of the picture that they had for that property, you know the long term picture. Right. Judging by the right. name, I would never guess that. <laughs> um, and so, you know, which and it was pretty. It was it was sad because a lot of people in Tallahassee and in the community had invested themselves in down down on the farm and some of the things we were doing out there. A lot of people actually Seth had worked with previous um, to. Uh, to me being in Tallahassee when he was going to Florida State, I mean Seth is a is a Florida legend, um, and <laughs> and a, and a, and, a, and really one of the founders and founders of the whole whole scene. Um, we owe a lot to Seth I in Florida. A lot, of, a lot of people a lot of people may not know that, but they should know it. Um, there you and, go, Seth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, well, it's true, you know, it's true. I mean, he Seth did, did a festival at the Spirit of the Swanee. You know, Seth was promoting shows in Tallahassee. You know, the a lot of those, a lot of the bands that still are part of the scene may have played their first shows in, in Florida with Seth. So, you know, people. I've got the T-shirts to prove it. Yes, he does. <laughs> I still wear them once in a while. Well, you know, the only reason why is the only shirts I ever had left from anything I put on were triple XL. So, I mean, they had to go somewhere. Wasn't there a river retreat something? Yeah, I did the Swanee River Retreat, which um, it, it was, uh, let's just put it this way. By the end of the event, it ended up being sponsored by Visa and MasterCard, only because that's the way I had to pay for it. <laughs> no. Uh, but, yeah. That's a financial retreat. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, man, Paul. I, after uh, after doing all this stuff in Tallahassee, to go to Atlanta, start recreating my company, and going in the direction of publicity and street team and staff management and all this sort of stuff, to see down on the farm start you know come together down there and and pick up where things left off really was an exciting thing. And then to uh, and I also my company was able to work the events, which uh, truly meant a lot to me. And that's not just down on the farm, but Bear Creek as well. Um, sure. And yeah, it's just uh, it. It's, it, it, it was it was important that something that magnitude of that magnitude came into uh, the situation because it's 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 a it's a tough scene there it's a it's a transient scene it every is. four years it changes uh, with the college students coming in and out and it's hard to really build something unless you have money or unless you have you're capable of bringing these big bands and doing these things but as you know I mean Bear Creek uh, you know after down on the farm Bear Creek and Bear Creek had its run but it never really I mean, it was very successful in, 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 in ways outside of financially successful, but it didn't quite make the money, though, right? No, it, it, uh, it, there's a lot to, lot to say about it, you know. And, um, yeah, it, it, it didn't, it, it, there was a lot of love involved in Bear Creek, and so, um, you know, it, it may have, maybe it didn't evolve enough or, you know, didn't move fast enough towards, um, embracing electronic music. <laughs> I don't think I don't think you had the option to be able to do that. <laughs> well, we did, but but even even though we did to some degree, we you know you know we remember we had some great performances. You know, Bonobo was there, yeah, Chromatic yeah. came through, and Lotus started playing it, and you know bands that you wouldn't necessarily call electronic, but they were crossover bands that were starting to do that. So we were, we were doing it to some degree, but I think you know there was. It's a super hard market, um, you know. You make a mistake talent-wise when 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 you're growing and you get bigger, and and those those have a greater impact, um, you know. And it's it's hard to say. There was hard competition in the marketplace, um, and, and lots of different things. Mm-hmm. You know, niche niche festivals, you know, you know, are very, are very difficult. So, and then, um, and then well, also the. Well, I just wanted to say that one of the crowning jewels of your Bear Creek run was, was one that you couldn't even announce in advance. And that was when at the last minute you got Derek Trucks. He came out, he sat in with Soul Live, Lettuce, and uh, Soul Live, Lettuce. What did he sit in with? Dumpster Funk. Dumpster Funk. Oh, my God. Three ridiculous sit-ins right in a row, unannounced. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that happened to Bear Creek, these unannounced collaborations that... If you could have announced them in advance, perhaps more people would have gone, but only the adventurous people down there just for a good music experience were able to experience them. Well, agree with that? Uh, yeah, well, you know, I mean, radius clauses and contracts and stuff, you know, they can, right. they can, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, we we weren't we weren't against announcing Derek by any stretch of the imagination, but it was either have Derek or not have Derek. Your choice, and so the 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 you know, well, those are the kinds of things, right? You know, we we knew that, or at least we calculated that having Derek Trucks um, come play uh, was worth, um, you know, was worth spending that money for the for the added value to the show. Um, yes, it was so and, sexy. And, and it was then, wonderful. Well, sure, and people are, you know, and, and, you know, so I'm, I'm sure, you know, and uh, if you need to look at it in the business sense, that we got our marketing value out of it. Absolutely, <laughs> but the thing about Bear Creek is, it, it was being sold more about the brand than the lineup. I mean, it's it's, it's similar to uh, there's a lot of events out there where. It's not about who plays because you know the quality and the caliber of the musicians that are going to be playing there. It's so you just kind of you buy into the brand and go for the experience, and knowing that new master sounds are probably going to be there, and if they're not, then you know Orgone's going to be there. It's, you know, all this this is all going to be there, and it's going to be awesome. So it's, the lineup's going to be awesome. It doesn't need you know the twelve headliners to to get you there. Um, but the, but that right there turns into a fine wine, you know, and that's. So, but hey, Seth. Seth. Yeah, man. There is an elephant in the Bear Creek room. <laughs> One of the greatest moments was not even musical. Paul. Yeah. Happened in the chapel. Happened in the chapel involving one of our favorite musicians. The man does a great meditation. <laughs> you know of what I speak. Are you talking about the wedding? Nigel yeah. Hart's wedding. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was Tell one of the great glory. Please. <laughs> well, um, I I don't know when it happened, and um, but some some point during that that weekend, let us you know rolled in for a few days. You know, I guess Nigel approached me and said, "Hey, you know, I want to get married," <laughs> and uh, um, you know, it was pretty spontaneous. Uh, um, so did you, you have know, to find him a woman also, or did, did he just did he just like I just showed up? He's like I just want to get married. Find me a woman. No, he was he was he was very much in love at that point, uh, um, and was dead serious. Uh, you know, some some clicked, and he he felt like they needed to do it right then at at the spirit of the Swanee, uh, and um, well, we have a chapel on site, uh, which. Um, it's convenient, and the park was James Cornett, and the folks at Spirit of the Swanee were happy to, happy to provide the chapel. And, Very cool of them to do so. Absolutely, uh, right out there by the lake. And um, folks got to work decorating the chapel and making making the arrangements to for a wedding. Um, and... I can't recall everybody that was there, but everybody um, was there. <laughs> you know, all the all the, le- it, all the lettuce folks were there. I, um, you know, Derek was there, and, and Kofi, and um, you know, uh, the dumpster funk folks were there, and um, you know, Papa Molly. I, I recall, um, you know, um, spoke at the wedding and. I mean, did he even marry? Did he marry them? Can't be married them. Um, and uh, I remember Kofi was Kofi was playing um, "Ain't No Mountain High Enough" on the flute inside the chapel. Oh yeah. Um, 
when they were coming in and uh it, it was uh it was really unbelievable um an incredibly special day a really tiny chapel there were probably 30 people in there that's all it fit maybe 40 um you know and that was and that led to in my opinion that night um maybe the best letter show i ever saw um, wow or you know or at least i thought so at that minute you know yeah yeah it was it was one of the days you know it was one of the Derek truck shows and and kofi was up there and playing the flute and it was one of those amazing move on ups and he uh nigel brought brought his wife on stage and um it was it, it was a, it was really emotional and memorable and um magnificent very powerful mm-hmm. very yeah. powerful set very beautiful moment absolutely he is not exaggerating you can go see some of those uh clips of of Derek trucks playing with lettuce um during that uh during that and it's just it's just incredible uh-huh. where, where could uh, our listeners find that we'll tweet them out <laughs> All right, and I'm imagining on YouTube too, right? Yeah, so we'll uh, we'll get we'll get those yeah, and we'll get those to everyone. Um, if you think of it, Paul, email them to me. Email them to me, and I'll tweet them out. But we're running out of time here. Um, we'll talk to you again before Halloween, but uh, and talk extensively about that. But can you give us any tidbits on anything to expect this year from Halloween? I, I think you know. Last year, um, we learned a lot about the site, uh, and we made some changes, and we're gonna um, we're gonna make more improvements and. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, we're going to keep on, um, trying to have kick-ass, um, diverse, fun, um, lineups, you know, that, that, you know, bands that we like and we think that, you know, the Halloween fans are going to love, you know, and, uh, you know, we're going to take some chances and do some new things and, and also be, and also do some old things and, you know, make sure that it's familiar enough, but also uh, progressive and mm-hmm. mind blowing enough. Well, it seems like you finally got uh, a good stride going now uh, with Halloween, Fool's Paradise, uh, and the work you're doing at the Spirit of the Swanee. So, uh, big congratulations to you, Paul. Well, I appreciate it. Um, it's it's been great to be a part of um, you know what what's happened in this this region and. Um, you know, work with lots of fantastic people and, um, you know, to help a lot of, um, you know, musicians and, and, and not just musicians, you know, even, um, you know, tour managers and, um, sound technicians and, you know, lighting people and, you know, folks that we've worked with at lots of festivals, you know, that you have as well, that, you know, artist relations people, you know, people all over the spectrum, you know, lots of people that have started as young people in the business that have, stuck it out and still working hard and making it their career it's um it's great to work with all those people well can you tell people how to get tickets to fool's paradise and also is there a place where if they don't want to camp there where they can people can find lodging or local uh information on local restaurants and all that kind of stuff yeah no if you go on the fool's uh um fool's paradise website it's um, uh fool's paradise fl.com as in fool's paradise florida so fool's paradise fl.com Cool, Paul. Thank you so much for your time. We we'll look forward to chatting with you again. And and the idea of us coming down to uh, Fool's Paradise, we'd be happy to bring Inside Out down there. So let's definitely talk about that. 
uh, with you and um, Live for Live Music. Maybe there's something there we could do. We'll, um, we'll roll out the red carpet. And thank you. Many years of great live music. A lot of good experiences I've had in music that I can thank you for. So thank you, Paul. Oh, well, uh, thank you, Rob. You've always been an incredible supporter, you know, of live music, things I've done. And, you know, just, you know, your writing and um, your words have, have meant a lot to, to the scene. So thank you. And thank you, Seth. Well, thank you. And we're actually going to we're going to slide over to an interview with with Ben from Lettuce. Do Benny you have Bloom, trumpet player, about? Benny Bloom. Yeah. You know, Benny, don't you, Paul? Can you want you throw us over? Tell us something about Benny. Well, Benny is, is, is an equally talented, um, kind of almost like vaudevillian uh, performer. I mean, he's, he's, a, he's like a, he's a stand-up comedian entertainer. He's, he's, he, he'd be, he'd be an ideal person to host like a variety show, you know, combining music with, with comedy and, and performance. He's, he's an incredibly gifted human being. A good friend of mine, Brian Thomas, trombone player, um, he also worked at Soul Live, and Soul Live did a date in Vermont at Higher Grounds, and it was a James Brown tribute show with Nigel Hall. And they called me, it was a Sunday, like, hey, you want to play with Soul Live? And I never met the crew, I never met a Deitch or anybody, and I did so well, they're like, what are you doing in three days? Nice. We have <laughs> yeah, a lettuce gig with Rock and Roll Resort. And I went, oh, yeah. I didn't meet anyone, and they're like, I'm like, I can do it. They're like, what do I got to play? They're like, learn all of our music. That was it. No sheet music. Learn everything. So they just like, gave you CDs? No, no. They didn't give me shit. You had to go <laughs> download it yourself? I had to go. I mean, I had it, you know, but I had to learn everything. And I'm like, it was really nerve-wracking. And then I remember going to the, the, the gig. I'm like, hey, guys. They're walking out of the elevator. And Ryan Zoidis. I'm like, what's up, Ryan? Hey, what are we playing? He's like, I don't know. Give me a second. They just left. And no set list. <laughs> and like, just playing the key. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was really nerve-wracking. So was Rashawn in the band? No, nope, Rashawn was already so gone. So you're Rashawn left and went to Dave Matthews. The original, you know, there wasn't originally. It was two saxes. Then Rashawn joined in the middle, and then he got the Dave Matthews band left. Uh-huh. And then there was a period they used Maurice Brown. They used Christian Scott. They used different trumpet players, and no one either was. Different, was a little busy. Wasn't the right fit. And then when I came along, I um. Right place at the right, the right time, and and I was Nailed just uh, yeah I knew I was ready for it. I knew 
it was coming. It's like if they hear me, I got this gig. <laughs> but Rashawn has come back and played with you. Yeah, guys. you know, because he loves us and we're all best friends, and he's the, one of the best trumpet players in the world. And having me and him together, oy vey, watch out. You know what I mean? Well, you so, guys, uh, you guys are definitely rage. But that's the thing about lettuce that people don't realize is, as crazy and wild as you are, mm-hmm. you guys are very serious musicians. Yeah, you can't get, get, get to the level you want to get to with just having fun all the time. I mean, like, you only have fun when you know you're, you're killing and doing everything right. It's like, now I can have fun. You can't be starting this whole act and be drinking on stage and all this and just, like, acting like you're having fun. It's like, you got to be good first. Like, they don't care how funny you are. you got to be killing first. Back to the industry you know? fan side thing. On the fan sure. side... I think a lot of them know that you're very talented, serious well, musicians. Maybe in the industry they don't. I don't well, know. Well, you know, but yeah, I mean, the fans are, but a lot of these fans in this scene, half of them are either musicians or... Or, or in the band. Or in the band. <laughs> High school. Jeez. Yeah, you know, seriously, you know, so that's why this it's really great to play for these particular kind of fans. You know, in the jazz world, it's a lot different. You have a lot of musicians that are want you to play more notes, more stuff, you know, more... It's like not about... Con- it's not about content sometimes. It gets lost. Or, or in rock, you know, it's all about how you look. It's about how catchy something is. And in this scene, the music is actually first, you know. So it's just a blessing to be a part of that, you know. And mm-hmm. so, the band know. grew out of Boston. When you guys play Boston, is it an extra special gig? Oh come on, yeah. I mean, because they all went to school there, you know, Berkeley. That's where they oh, all. That's where all interesting fact, man. though, they all went to school there, but only one of them graduated. Hey, if someone want to win a T-shirt? I got a yeah, trivia for you. Who graduated? Who graduated? Mm. Which member let us graduate? There's a crowd of 175 people behind us, and not yeah. one of them knows. I will tell you what, and I will win the yeah, T-shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell us. Jesus. Jesus? I Graduated? So. Isn't that right? By the yes, way, if you're a good auctioneer, yes, you would have commanded the attention of the people. I don't want the attention right now. The Schmeens? Was it Schmeens? I don't know. I don't know. You have the fact, Rob. You're the I one had told, it. You told me yesterday. I did. Oh. I'll call him. <laughs> Let me get on the horn. All right. Well, yeah, when, no when in doubt, to come to Jesus. To find out the answer... Come see Benny Bloom on Come the uh, All the Rage. All the Rage. We'll let you know. But yeah, no, I don't. But you know, I went to NEC, New England Conservatory. New England Conservatory is around the corner. Sure. It was like the jazz classical school, and they were at Berkeley, the funky like kind of pop school. So you were there in ninety same time, ninety four. No, no, I was. The, I they left and already went. I'm like the young gun. I'm thirty five. They're all like 40, 41. <laughs> so what years were you there? I was there, uh, nine, 2001 to two thousand like something. I'm like way down the road. That's the thing. I came in later, and but they all met at summer camp in like what 93, 90, yeah, 93, 91. They met at summer camp, and then they and then after summer camp they went to school. Right. And then summer then, camp festival or, or no, like no, no Berkeley summer five camp, week, like, okay, Berkeley okay, five okay. week, and they was met, that old. And they did that, so it was a you know it's a really beautiful way how they did it, and then they joined together and they started playing together, and then they, they went back. They were because they went to school. That's right. a, it's like they a prep school. And then they came back. And then to they the, went to college together. And they cool joined story. And they and they and they kept the band together. And that I mean they started the band and it's been together for what 25, 24 years now, twenty six. Jesus, crazy. How many bands have been together? Twenty four years. Is that place still on Mass Ave? Yes, it is. Where all the, what was the Ber- name of it? Berkeley. No, 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 no. There's a club. Oh, the club. Where they all play. Wally's. Wally's. Did you have you played Wally's? Yes, I played. I ran the house band for a period. Explain the the beauty of Wally's. Essentially, what Wally's is, it's like um, a small 25-person club, black-owned, one of the only black-owned African-American clubs in the city. That's you know, that's a rare thing nowadays. And it's they have like in jazz, Boston, maybe. In Boston, even in like New Orleans, wherever. We need more black businesses. I tell you that. And um, I guess my point is that. They, they just were cool with everyone. doesn't matter who you are. If you're a musician, they liked you inside the club. So they'd have Monday would be Latin night. Tuesday is blues night. Wednesday is funk night. Thursday is jazz night. So funk nights were Tuesdays and Sundays at that point. And 
And anyone who was famous that went to that school, they ran or they played during funk night. So they all met. That's how you work your stuff out. You practice all day. You go work it out in the clubs. So that's how they all. That was. That's not how they all met. But that's how you practice. You know, all your stuff. And I, you know, it's like anyone I know that's killing went through there. Nikki Glassby, Roy Hargrove, All of Lettuce. Um, the bass player for Mariah Carey, uh, Mark Carey, like everyone we know is mm-hmm. going through that. And and then I went years later, unbeknownst, and I with Nikki, you know, we we did that. We ran the band for a period, and then, um, but then when I joined Lettuce, I'm like, I found out. I'm like, oh, you guys do, did the Wallies? Like, dude, we ran Wallies. I'm like, I ran Wallies. <laughs> so it's like, what a coincidence <laughs> that to is be a coincidence. like, wow. you know, yeah. it's like because that's well, another. You must have like known another about school. Them. That's another school in a way. He must have known about the your predecessors. No, there, really? I mean, I knew about it, but I mean, but there were so many that went through the Wallies school, uh-huh. and they were so far like ahead of me at that point. Like they left Boston and like. When 96 and 98 and I got there in like 2002 or something so I, I like I knew about them but I didn't you know in a way mm-hmm. it's kind of weird like that but um how'd you guys well, get in Alicia's on the uh, album right Alicia no Shaker? she yeah she did one song and a couple songs in the album I believe one's a Bobby what's the Bobby Gentry song yes what's that called made a woman out of me he made a woman out of me yeah you know she's now with TTB really doing a lot of um, as back back up um, and doing her own thing she's really busy we have her back time to time um, but she was great. Nigel's all over the album. Um, yeah, that Crush album was pretty unbelievable. We, um, I mean, just that's the only album I'm actually on. The rest is Rashawn. Um, the first album does not have trumpet, I believe. Uh, no that's one. The two sacks era. It's two sacks era. Um, but yeah, so it's 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 great. We're through our new one. We're trying to do a new album coming up. And how we really got the last album together is we would rehearse the songs during sound check. Or Adam Deitch and, and I, or some of the dudes, Jesus and. They'd be in the back of the, the lounge, but the tour bus, working on songs at night. And then the next day, they'd be like, yo, let's sound check this song. And that's how a lot of the songs. So now that we're going back on Sounds Like a Party Tour in uh, September, coming to a city near you. It's a massive tour. And you can find these dates out at? Uh, LettuceFunk.com. You can look at our Facebook. You can find them everywhere. On the intranets, the interwebs. Although there's no Atlanta date on there. Are you sure about that? I'm pretty sure. Well, I, I maybe there's one book not announced yet because that, that was the case with another band. Or is it <laughs> Hold on a second, our producer will be looking this up. <laughs> are we doing? Uh, I know we're doing Athens. Well, so that's that's probably why you're not doing Atlanta then. Yeah, we're not doing Georgia Theater. Hey, say hi, everyone. It's my girlfriend. Say hi. Hello. You gotta get out of the mic. Say hello. <laughs> hello. So that's See, if you go on Jam Cruise, you can meet lovely women such as this. Yeah, Actually, this can. year's Dominican that's holidays. This year, she'll be at Dominican holidays. She'll be signing autographs during the Lettuce Benny and uh, <laughs> during the Benny and Jesus cocktail hour, which yeah, has will. become a a staple now. Oh my gosh! I mean, I'm so staple that I, I believe that if lettuce isn't part of Dominican holidays in if the future, I, if you'll I, have to still come. I would please don't. Don't don't tempt me with a bad time because <laughs> oh wait good time wait a minute yeah there's no bad yeah, time yeah I mean I don't want to plug Dominican holidays too hard but I will it is obviously my favorite thing ever as a la- only time I've had a vacation in like what four years like, I mean like I played one show I got to see a lot of my favorite bands play three shows each and I literally got to hang in my jacuzzi and eat great Dominican food and you had a lawn and party I, you guys all let us just hung out we on literally the lawn. had a, like a barbecue party. We, and I got all the good fruit. I was doing fruit for everyone. I'm running out like Benny the Fruit Man. Well, that sounds you know weird. how he was a fruit man? Every time you walked by, he just went, hey. Hey. Well, I like fruit. Hey, get out of here. That wasn't nice, <laughs> Seth. Anyway, uh, but you just get a chance to, it's like Jam Cruise, but in one place. You know, and, and you can go to the beach. And go to the beach, actually. 
And uh, and Jam Cruz, you know, you can, but it, you know, it's a, it's. We just a got word thing. in from our what? producer that there is no Atlanta date on this tour. C three, if you're listening, please go ahead and. And Atlanta is a big, uh, a big market for us. I'm very surprised. We've got to be doing Athens. No, no Athens. Athens. Wait, where are you looking? This is only 2016, right? Speaking of Atlanta, he's doing an, an unintentional tribute to our Atlanta band, Funk You. Funk You, what's up? Love Shout those out guys. To Funk. You said you've heard of Funk You. I have. Lisa's good friend to some of the guys in the band. The drummer. Buddy's from high school. From Evans, Georgia. No, no, it's Evans, Georgia. Evans, Georgia. Right Y'all outside of Augusta. Evans, Georgia. Hello. There. They're great band. Let us fans check them out. I yeah. know. But well, I believe in 2017, if I might say, I think you're going to be getting a little, little love. It was Early. interesting that you guys did the uh, Egyptian ballroom, uh, that one of those last go-rounds in oh, Atlanta. That was as my parents to... came. It was so freaky. It was like an old Mason temple. I met your parents. They're cool. My parents are cool. They came. My parents went to Jam Cruise. Last year. Uh, note to self. I think you're mixing up. I think that's Indianapolis, the Mason temple, isn't no, it? No, 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 no. The Fox Theater, the Egyptian Fox room. Theater. Sure. Egyptian. It's, it's a, a temple? It's a Mason. I believe it's a Messianic vibe. But then we did Buckhead Theater last year. I'm not big on that Not to speak poorly about venues. You know, not the best sounding venue. I know, you know, not my favorite. I love, you know, Terminal West, of course, but yeah. it's yes. a little That's small a for us, room. which is hilarious. You guys have gotten too outgrown it. I know. Next Boy, year, what's up with the Tabernacle? Do a funk fest now, at the Tabernacle. Now, Tabby, when I did that with Pretty Lights, that was like one of the most epic two-day runs of like my life, you know. What a vibe like, there, right? What I mean. a vibe. And, you know, and, and let us, it's like we're getting to the point where we can get, you know, we can fill that room, but I mean, you want to do the Tabby right, you know, um, so we'll see, but... Let's well, take one song. Can you walk us through the recording process? Oh, Phyllis. Gee, Phyllis. Oi. That's my favorite track on the on, on the you know, album. It's um, a great track. I guess, in the, you, know, you know, in the old Lettuce days, they would go in the studio with a new thing, and they'd work it out. This time, we did on all of the tour, and we worked it out over the tour. So we went in the studio, banged it out. We nailed it. You know, we did, like, what, three takes? Really? You know, we, like, ran the song down. There was no stopping and starting and let's try it again. No click track. You know, we did a, we did it like old school, and a lot of times horns and people let's overdub this, let's oh let's do an extra thing. Let's we did like no overdub, straight line, which wow. is so crazy. Which considering that like I wanted that to be, I want I wanted to do some extra things. They're like, nope, it sounds good, leave it. Uh, was it sound good or was the was the uh, management and label just like no 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 no? It has a lively feel. The no, there was I'm no not like the bread money situation was not. You know, Joel Hamilton, who did who did the Aaron Neville record, and he did Rage. He at, the, at Bunkers, you know, it's a Bunkers, the Bunker Hill Studio. I forget what it was. Studio G, rather Studio G, and uh, it was just great. We did a Phyllis take. We'd stop. I thought, all right, let's cut it again. And then I think we listened to it. And then I mean, might have done another one. And like that was it, because we knew the music so well. Uh huh. And um, you know, it, it's crazy. Like I, I and and I do so much more stuff on it now. I mean. It's just what it was in the studio, what it is now. It's still like we do with Zoid. That was before Ryan Zoidis really dialed in his pedals. If you look on stage, Zoidis does so many crazy sounds, you don't know who's doing them. That's the thing with Lettuce. You look on stage, you're like, is that a trumpet right now? Because I, I use wah wah pedal. I use a whole effects rig. Yeah, you've so. been using more effects uh, yeah. in the last, two, last yeah, year, at least. I've yeah, seen. in the last couple of years. And then Zoidis. Got his he used to use them back in the day, but then since I do, and Crab's like, "Hey, bro, you got the kid over here using pedals. He's smoking you. You better get your pedals." <laughs> and then Zoida's like, "Whatever," and got his pet crazy rig together. So now it's like just a, it's a very you don't know who's doing what. Which that's the thing. It's like we mask the sound of our instruments. Like Neil's playing organ and clav, and it sounds like a thunderstorm. It's like a hurricane over there. It's like what is that? You know, mm -hmm. like people don't do the instrument like that. You know, so. 
It's been, it's really a morphing. I'd, I'd love you to tell our listeners what Let Us Play is and how it came together. Well, I mean, I mean the documentary? Yes. Well, great Jay Sansone from Human Being Media um, took a chance on us, them and Live for Live Music. They uh, came on the road with us, and they just did, you know, he's, he, he works for what? Has he worked for Essence Magazine? I think People, I believe. He does. They would know that. He does for everything, and he's, he's a real... It's like he's a real famous guy, but he's our friend. And everything he does on camera looks like it's like a re. It looks so real. Yeah, it was did. like he definitely has his style. He's got a real style yeah. going. The and, whole and team. You see that, especially on, on all the, a lot of the recap videos. Yeah, I mean, you he know does the all style. Of, you know, does all of them. And, and and so he just took a chance and he came on the road for like a month or a couple weeks and and literally just got us. He was in our, you know. He was really out of the way. You know, he's got a great talent of being in front of your face without even being in front of your face. Like, And we trust him. That's key. And that's really key. So it's like, man, you have carte blanche. Come up and anytime you want the shot, if we're in the back room talking crap, we're like rehearsing, warming up. It's like we don't, we want him to get those shots. So he did. And then he did interviews and just, it was just a really great thing to have a documentary of yourself. And it's available you know, online. You can you can, down, you can, a, you can stream Vimeo, it. Vimeo, I know. Yeah, yeah it's real. It's, it's only like four bucks. You can stream it. It's, yeah, it's a bargain. I mean, I mean, in case you're strapped for cash and you don't want to do that, just go ahead and purchase a ticket to Dominican Holidays because you know, we will be doing. We'll be we airing it one of the nights. Oh, you're again? showing it there. Yep. Yeah, there's wow. two documentaries. We're gonna do that one and the and the uh, Umphrey's one. That's pretty cool. Oh, Umphrey's got one. Yeah, 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 yeah Jefferson Waffle. Produced by Jefferson Waffle. When did that? It's excellent. When did that come out? They did it about the same time you guys did. New Year's Day. They debuted it in where? Oh, good. I don't feel that bad. It hasn't been out for five years. I'm not like a jerk. <laughs> All right, I will go watch that. I love Umphrey. Shout out to Umphrey's. We love him. Umphrey's. I, I talk about them too much. Right. Uh, and he does I, I'm not as much as he talks about Jamkers, though. Well, Good for Cloud9 to hear that. He talks about Jamkers all the time. I mean, it's only the best thing in the world. Whatever. It's fine. <laughs> I do talk about it, but you do ask me. Do you think they'll let me on yeah, this when year? When do I get on? I've only been on twice. When do I get back on? You've only been on twice? Yeah. Whatever. I'm lucky. It's better than none. That I'm is. I'm gonna be grateful for the two times I've been on. That's a great. And attitude. we're grateful for the uh, 13 times he hasn't. I don't think. <laughs> Three. Benny is hilarious guy. He's hilarious. That was. Uh, I wish we could have aired more of that interview. Maybe it's. Some, you know what, Rob? We should probably just have Benny back on and do another interview with him. Absolutely, and I will point out that that whole thing uh, it was conducted in the Jam Cruise tent, and it aired on the Cloud. Which Cloud? It was in Cl- in Cloud Nine's tent uh, at Lockin, and they did air 
uh, they did um, broadcast it on Facebook Live on the Cloud9 page. And uh, we'll maybe go ahead and uh, repost that if it's possible. I'll, I'll, I'll see and I'll put it on our Facebook. I know you got a lot of pull with them, so make it happen. I'll make it happen. But yeah, Benny's. Before Benny's we get started, love them. Uh, and I love to talk about the, the old days in Boston. But, anyways, um, big gigantic. Seth, you hooked that one up for us. That was pretty cool. We drove out to Athens, Georgia, and uh, hung out backstage. It was kind of interesting because it's uh, Dominic and Jeremy. And Jeremy and I know each other from somewhere, and neither of us could figure out where. Because you both go to a million shows. I think we kind of circled around the fact that you both were probably at the same show at the same time. Several times. Because I recognized him at first, and then by the end of it, he was like, wait a minute, I do recognize you. And I had already forgotten about him, and he's leaving. He's like, yeah, man. No. And then he threw out a couple of Once you took your shirt off, that's when he's like, oh, yeah, I remember you. It sucks that people recognize my nipples more than my face, but I'll take it. <laughs> um, and that was a that interview was great. Um, uh, well, I let me rephrase. I always say that was great. I really enjoyed that Stop interview it. as well. Uh, I thought the interview went in places that I didn't think it was going to go. I never, yeah, and that, and I and I enjoyed that about an interview. So a lot of, uh, often with interviews, they you you have what you want to talk about. They have what they want to talk about. You kind of hit things. You also hit things that you think you might hit. Whereas this went into directions that I didn't even consider. Um, and we we learned a lot uh, about the band uh, and and about the individuals. And uh, I, I'm they're fascinating stories. I really look forward to uh, sharing that episode with you all. And we're going to share another interview with you, after which we, I will talk about Colonel Bruce Hampton's, uh, the show I just saw, and his, uh, his new thing, uh, new residency. And Seth will talk about the widespread panic show we saw last night. But first, Tom Hamilton, the guy I mentioned during the Paul Levine interview, as a gentleman I would love to hang out with, very outspoken guy, very forthcoming guy. And we talk here about, well, with J-Rad, the drummer is the point man, and... But with Billy and the Kids, even though it's Billy, Billy's in the name of the band, the point man of that band is not Billy, it is Tom Hamilton, the guitarist, and he compares and contrasts those. The biggest surprise for me, even in that whole original interview, Seth, was that J-Rad does not even discuss where they're going to open the songs up, but they completely they completely just, just go for it at any point. It could be the second verse of me and my uncle, and they could take it to Pluto. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's... Uh... I, yeah, I think it's time. I'm, I'm gonna re-listen to that one. That was that was a that was a fun interview. He had a lot to say. <laughs> he had a lot to say. That was that was good. Um, and here's seven minutes of it right now. So, put on your seatbelt. No, I'm just kidding. Let's uh, wait. Hold on a second, Rob. Is this one? Um, is this where? Is this a part where he, he just drops the f bomb for seven minutes? Yeah, this is a, a funny thing. If, our, if we're developing regular listeners, and so a little hint for you regular listeners, Seth often takes on the character of the guests that we're interviewing. When it was Stanton Moore, Seth ta- started talking real hip-like. Are you serious? When it was Brendan Bayless, when it was Brendan Bayless Seth got real low-key and tried to do that kind of Midwestern cool. <laughs> and when, it was, when we're interviewing Tom Hamilton, Seth said, fuck every seven words just like Tom. Oh, I didn't realize I'm... I, I, Rob, I don't even know myself. But your hardcore fan? I've talked about it with your fans. That is hilarious. Uh, Very good conversation, too. <laughs> okay, well, we'll, anyway, we'll let's, <laughs> let's roll it. Let's stop talking. Here we go. Tom Hamilton from this. We're, we uh, did this at Lockin on John Dindis' bus.
course, improvisation is, is an element of that band. But what I want to ask about is to what extent you guys talk about where things are going to open up. For example, you did an oh, in- yeah. you did a long intro to Truckin'. You did a, 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 a wild Pink Floydy, early Pink Floydy jam before the Ladyfinger part of Steven. And you actually opened it up before the verse before that. Yeah. Now, do you guys just on the fly look at each other? Or do you say, hey, at this point in the song, we want to take it out there? No, we we have never once spoken about an improvised section. Really? Ever. So any song can open up anytime, anywhere. Anywhere. Who's the point man, generally? Joe. Joe Russo, J. Rad. Hello, Rob. But that's interesting yeah. that the drummer has a point yes, man. Yes, absolutely. That's a, an interesting thing about the band. Is, you know, I mean, like, the the dude is the drummer. You know, like, the guy that's making the calls. He also plays the part of two drummers on this band. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Actually, when he, when he had the further gig, I, wanted, I was trying to convince him to get a... Billy and Mickey tattooed across each each <laughs> hand. And speaking of Billy, you're in the band with the drummer of the Grateful Dead. Yep. Yet in that band, you're more the point man, are you not? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, because like Bill's like Bill's the drummer. You know, he's always been the drummer. He's never been like the band leader guy. And and he's used to the lead guitar being the point yeah, man. Yeah. That's like that's like that. That's what that role is, I guess. You know, or I mean, I don't know. I don't know what it was like in Seven Walkers or any of his other things. Maybe it was a different. You know, musical director type of dude or something. You know, I don't, but yeah, you know, we just have a we have a good rapport, and and I've earned his trust, I think, and uh, yeah, he he he's just cool with it. You know, and and uh, you know. Now in that band, do you talk about where you're gonna open stuff up, or is that also very much off the cuff? Ah, oh, we got a guitar. We um, do have a guitar. Is that an acoustic guitar making its way into the that room? It is an acoustic Whoa, guitar like making that. its way into the room. Maybe they'll let me keep it. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, it's right there. It's fine. We saw inside out signed it out, so we have to sign it back in. Oh, okay. I'm a huge Reed Mathis fan, and I love the way Billy and the kids attack the improvisation, full throttle. Um, yeah. can, can you talk about that, and does that keep you excited, enlivened? Well, you know, yeah. I mean, it's it's the same general idea of just like. Let's just go and do do whatever happens, you know, like, you know, you buy the ticket, take the ride type of thing, you know. It's it, it you know, Bill's the same way. He doesn't talk about any of this stuff. It's really? just like, let's go out, you know. This is a set. And even a set, he'll just be like, "All right, whatever." You know, like, let's just let's Follow just go, organic. you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I did a the first time we played, we had Bob sit in with Billy and the kids. We were in rehearsal. And on the set list was Help on the Way and Slipknot and, uh, I don't know, something else. But Slipknot's a pretty tricky number, you know. it's a thing. And, uh, you know, we're, we're in rehearsal, we ran through a couple tunes and whatever, and then, you know, we're looking at a set list and it was like, hey, you know, Slipknot, do you, you know, I mean, now at this point, none of us had ever played with Bob before. Besides Bill, obviously, so you know, like we're, you know, we're like running like just like vocal things, or whatever. And then it gets to Slipknot, we're like, oh, you know, let's run that, obviously, because that's like the most difficult thing, you know. And Bob was just like, ah, let's not take all the fun out of it, you know. And I think that's just kind of like the general mentality of of those guys. It's like, you know, why take the excitement of is this going to go to shit on stage? You know, like that's part of the fun. Is true, but when you mentioned we're. Let's talk about tempo. Um, yeah, sure. Where he I seems didn't have, I've never had that problem. 
I've never run it. I've never had a problem with his tempos. But it's it's interesting though. Joe Russo's band, it, you know, it's more up tempo. Yeah. And then with with Weir, Billy and the Kids is more the other extreme. And then Billy and the Kids is kind of in between on their own without Weir. Would you agree with that? No, I don't. I don't think with with Bob with Billy and the Kids the tempos are are anything particular. Um, and also, you know, I see. I think the the bad rap for Bob with the with the tempo shit is from Rat Dog. I you know anything that I've ever done with them, it's never even come up. And then I'd go back and I'd listen to some versions of whatever tunes from even the 70s, you know, like the total coked out fucking time or whatever. And it's not as fast as you think it is. You know what I mean? Like, he's not playing shit slow. He's playing shit the same speed that they've pretty much always played stuff at at one phase in their careers. They played, you know, like Brown Eyed Women or something, you know, like... Yeah, there was like the you know they got real quick in like the '80s when everything was kind of up. But you listen to versions of that from when it was written up until '75. It's not blazing. Oh, it's actually, just, I didn't mean to assume boom, it's a bad thing boom, because boom, aren't boom, some of the greatest yeah. moments? Isn't the point of slow tempos first of all to have more of a canvas to paint, to paint well, on yeah. and to allow for the build? Yeah, and like well, and just to so everybody isn't you know trying to run. It's like look, let's just see what happens and, and and feel things out you know I mean like I think it's just more so a taste thing you know and you you, you kind of have to not you can't argue with the guys that wrote the shit you know it's their tunes you know like what we do at J-Rad's awesome and fun but that's not the new norm you know what I mean like that's well, yeah well you know like those guys own that stuff. it's their music they lived that thing mm-hmm. you know what I mean like they earned all of that, you know, and so it's you know I don't know. I think it's weird when people get to uh, ESPN, you know, Sports Centery about. <laughs> and that's you know, why he doesn't like Grateful Dead. Well, that is the fun of it too. <laughs> well, comparing I mean, and contrasting. It is, but it's also. I mean, well, you find people comparing and contrasting about you, your performances now, like in that oh, same vein. I mean, dude, people fucking hate me. Uh, I don't care. But I, I know a lot of you've been pretty that. warmly accepted compared to others who've come. Maybe along. I mean Absolutely. I don't know. Well, dude, I guarantee you, for every person that thinks what I'm doing is okay, there's 40 other people that are like, hey, he's a piece of shit. They're it a- doesn't matter. I don't care. Like, it, you know, it, it, that's just the way it is. But, like, this weird thing, man, like, I remember, like, during Fairly Well, right, when that whole thing got announced, and he had all these people talking all of this shit. You know, it's a money grab. It's, you know, these guys, it's insincere, or whatever the fuck it is. It's fuck 50. you. <laughs> it's fuck happening. you. Who the <laughs> fuck are these people? You right. know what I mean? Like, dude, we are fans. I'm a fan. You know, as, as much as anybody else. That mm-hmm. We don't own this stuff, though. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. these guys, they gave us everything. They sacrificed more for our joy than most people that have ever listened to their music. Well, they've sacrificed right. their personal lives, friendships, marriages. Fucking, they've had friends die because of this fucking job. Well, Fever dreams, I think I'll go be somebody. Insanity, I think I'll go be somebody. Okay, I lied, never mind. I think I'll go wrong, somebody, so I can feel alive. 
pain of a million bodies But now that I'm home And can finally breathe Hear the howling wind Across the frozen bay Some strong words from Tom Hamilton, and uh, he feels very passionately about that. You know that there was a when Fairly Well was announced, there were a lot of people with critical words. And as Tom points out, really, you should just shut up and let the Grateful Dead reunite or not reunite as they wish. Right, Seth? Absolutely, and a lot of people did appreciate that. <laughs> Thousands of people. But what a wonderful player Tom is, and he will be at Fool's Paradise with Joe Russo's Almost Dead. This has been our Fool's Paradise episode. Uh, thank you, Lit for Live Music, and, and uh, for presenting our show. Thank you, Paul Levine, for being on, and Tom Hamilton and Bane Bloom. But now is the review portion of the show. Seth, do you want to go first? Nah, you go first, Rob. Well, Colonel Bersampton has started doing a, a residency, weekly gigs, uh, at a venue that's actually right walking distance from where I used to live, which kills me. It just kills me. I wish I'd, I'll have to find a way to move back there. But anyways, it's at a room called the Vista Room, and I'm told that I was lucky because when I went, they had just augmented the sound from the previous week and added more mid and more bottom. And it was a wonderful, wonderful show. He has his Madrid Express, which has a bunch of members. I don't have all the names in front of me, but Tyler Neal's young guitarist, sang Hip Hockey Way, sang a bunch of stuff, plays really judicious but at times frenzied guitar which is perfect for colonel uh dante Harmon weren't working that kind of somewhere between a lap steel and a some sort of between lap and pedal i don't really even know it's kind of a mod- modified steel guitar uh i stubble field sounding for the entire show which was funny because seth when you and i were driving home from the big gigantic uh interview we heard uh, on uga radio we heard a whole special on ike Stubblefield. do you remember that uh, of course i remember that they were playing stuff from throughout his career, all, all recordings he had been on. He, he's played with some bigwigs, but we'll wait for his episode on that. But best of all, perhaps, Denny Wally from Frank Zappa's band sat in oh, wow. toward the end of the first set and most of the second set. Dude, this, this show was shred-ology. Wow. Shreddy, shreddy, shreddy stuff. A lot of, lot of psychedelic grooves and a lot of nice resolutions and big washes of music. Really, Colonel Bruce is in fine form right now, folks. And um, come on out to Vista if you can, if you're in Atlanta. If you're not, uh, Z-Man has been posting the recordings on Archive or E-Tree. So look for them. The great Z-Man. Yeah, well, Rob, uh, I'm, I'm glad you went to, to the show. So the, just to give uh, a little bit more back background on it. So back in the late 90s, uh, Colonel Bruce Hampton... Uh, he, he put on shows over at the uh, Brandy House. It was a legendary uh, kind of hole-in-the-wall. I'm going to call it hole-in-the-wall, but I just called it a hole-in-the-wall. So I'm going to call it a hole-in-the-wall. Uh, it was this bar. It was a retail, a retail store that was turned into a, a music venue. 
Yeah, and it had a restaurant in the front part, but it was the hang. And Colonel Bruce would have a show there every week. And the likes of members of Fish, members of uh, obviously Aquarium Rescue Unit, uh, anyone, Dave Matthews to to Warren Haynes, yeah, I mean, Warren Haynes, John Popper, Dave Matthews, Mo. I mean, everybody would if you they, they would come through town <laughs> and they would they would pop in and you just never know who you'd see. And so Colonel is you know, this is he's starting that up again. So you really don't know who you're going to see. Sometimes they announce it. Uh, but but it's it's not a, it's not I wouldn't say it's an open jam, but it's an open jam to the to the extent that if if there's an artist that's available that's in town that's Bruce's friends with, they're going to show up and it's going to be, you know, a rememberable experience. But I want to emphasize: if you went to this this band he has right now, if you went to the show and not a single guest showed up, you're still getting a damn good show. So I, I wouldn't go like the old Brandy House days. We used to go kind of expecting the guests and maybe that's because we saw more colonel shows in general so it wasn't as special to see his band either and now it's for me at least more rare to see him but i, I the guests are just icing at this point i just love the madrid express i love the, the the way they listen to each other and play off each other nobody overplays the uh it only gets frenetic at just the right moment so there's a lot of interplay and judicious inputs the rest of the time, which makes it a little easier on the ear and a little make you more willing to come back next week. You know, even if a lot of the material is the same, you know, they mm-hmm. they also they could do the same song two weeks in a row completely differently. Yeah, that's. But uh, Seth, we got We're running out of time here. You just saw Wise for Pan. I got these set lists look crazy. Love Tractor holding Oversold to open a show is pretty rare, I believe. I've always loved Let It Rock. Garcia used to do that as a Chuck Chuck Berry chestnut. You got yeah. some ZZ Top, back-to-back ZZ Top? Yeah, I think it was uh, Waiting for the Bus, which I believe is a ZZ Top cover. That's at least what a, when I researched it, it did say it was. But they went into went from that into Jesus Just Left Chicago, and that was the closer of the uh, set one. Um, are, are, the, are they saluting my beard? Is that a tribute <laughs> to my new my new beard? Maybe. Uh, the the fans here are, are really uh, digging the set list this week. I mean, I feel like they always do a great job um, at, at Panic and La Playa. Uh, but this year they're they're dusting off some stuff. Uh, they're working really hard to uh, to bring everyone, you know, the fun. They closed last night sets two set two with uh, Fishwater drums uh, into I Walk on Gilded Splinters in honor of Mardi Gras. Of course, it was a Mardi Gras party last night. Um, and yes, sir. I was I got a little well, nervous. I won't lie. Too. Amy and I were were like, "What is it? this song? Sounds familiar. What is it?" And, and our friends like Fishwater. And Amy got a little nervous. She's like, "Wait a second. And she thought it was chili water for a second because when they play chili water, everyone throws. They don't just throw their water. I mean, you got to remember we're at an all-inclusive resort, which means you get alcohol nonstop. It's just you always have a drink in your hand. So whatever drinks in someone's right. hand during chili water is up in the air and on your clothes. Uh-huh. So she heard fish water. Uh-huh. She's like, "Oh, we gotta go." <laughs> I'm not. Because on, and also a night one, we got uh, what do you glittered. I don't. I really hate that. <laughs> Uh, Amy got so pissed she was flicking everyone, just air flicking people off. I'm like, <laughs> but you know, I mean, like two days later, I'm still rubbing glitter off me. It's just don't blow glitter on people if they don't want that. It's not cool, folks. More, 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 more glitter. Now, outside of that, though, uh, you know, I am here working, and and one of the activities we did today, which was really fun, uh, was we do an annual sauce contest. And this year, instead of doing the sauce contest, we did a grilled cheese contest where we had Jojo Herman and uh, Mike Fernandez of Moe's Barbecue. Uh, they both uh, were our judges. 
And we picked uh, random people out of a sombrero, and they made a grilled cheese with the ingredients. And it was a lot of fun, really well attended. Uh, I made a funny playlist of all songs I found online uh, that are grilled cheese related. Rob, i got to share it with you. It's pretty funny, some of the stuff. Um, it was just fun, and JoJo's, JoJo's great at, at these uh, food culinary activities. He, he enjoys them. Um, so, yeah, and tomorrow, tomorrow's uh, we're doing the decaf alon. It's a... Uh, afternoon with the orgone we're going to be doing a bunch of food related breakfast related activities so i'll tell you more about that after but thanks everyone for listening today and we hope you enjoyed it and don't forget to check out fool's paradise that's fool's paradise fl.com Staff? yeah rob get me oto Sound.